Hello. <laughs> Uh, hello and welcome to the super awkward review of season one of The X-Files, which nobody asked for. Um, I've been watching The X-Files since I don't even know when, <laughs> not gonna lie. Let me see if I can find the date. I've been taking notes and seeing how long it's taken to start and finish. It was in June. I know that. Okay, so I watched the first episodes of season one of The X-Files on June 21st. And I finished today, just a moment ago, um, on July 2nd. That's when I'm filming this. It will probably not be out today. So, thank you for watching. Um, I have not been online, um, on YouTube, doing this sort of thing in a long time. The last time I did a review of a show was Bates Motel. I was really into it. And today I'm just, I'm going back because I felt that there was a need to discuss the different things that happen throughout the series The X-Files. I watched The X-Files as a child, didn't really understand exactly what it meant and the conspiracies and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I watched as a child and that's what I grew up watching along with, you know, all the other stuff, Friends, Seinfeld, Cheers, just, you know, for entertainment purposes. And then we got into the alien baby stuff later on and we watched that like as a family <laughs> and I would be like alien baby alien baby all the time uh, as a child <laughs> as an annoying child um, but anyway okay so a background X-Files started in well let's get the actual information I don't want to be incorrect about anything about this video so we're gonna cheat a little bit the X-Files started on in September 1993 and then goes until May 2002 for the first run and then I had a revival which I'll do later um, in 2017 I mean 2018 and then that finished then I had a movie I want to believe which I watched and that was released in 2008 after the original run and then they had um, a revival or the revival and that didn't do so well for the 11th season. But anyway, the original one was on Fox, the original series created by Chris Carter. Um, the reason that I went into this show is because there have been a lot of things that I've seen out of the 2020s that have come to fruition that were kind of just topics on the series so it's interesting to go back and see where that all began and how many things they got right scarily enough uh well we all know about the lone gunman and i'm not watching that but i will reference that that had a lot of stuff that was actually eerily similar to what happened later on in 2001 
And then it just somehow got canceled. I don't know how that happened, but anyways. Okay, so first thing is, they say in the very first episode of the first season that the pilot is, well, not just the pilot, but the series itself, is inspired by actual documented accounts. So we already have that eerie kind of quality going into the series. So the X-Files itself is like, we find out in the pilot that there's a bunch of cases that have not been done, have not been uh, closed, that need to be closed, but they're kind of crazy and they kind of have like weird, uh, kind of paranormal, supernatural kind of things going on, extraterrestrial sometimes. But like unexplained phenomena happens in these cases. So they just kind of like put them all in a pile and then they give them to Mulder, who is tasked to close them along with Dr. Dana Scully. Mulder is Fox Mulder. Dana Scully is his new partner in the first episode. So there have been some, well, I won't say anything about outside stuff, never mind. Um, so what I viewed in the first episode is that they are already, even without trying, because Chris Carter said that he had no intention of getting them together as a couple and having any romantic involvement between the characters. That's bullshit. I will say that right now. <laughs> it's clear from the get-go that something's gonna happen with them eventually. I've been watching shows for a long time and I have couples that I like to get together, that I wait to get together, and I almost am always correct about when they get together or them getting together in the first place. So these are a couple of people who are kind of opposites, and opposites attract, but uh, Fox Mulder believes in the paranormal, the supernatural, all that stuff, and extraterrestrial beings, because he has been exposed to an extraterrestrial uh, sighting by his sister who was abducted by an extraterrestrial being, uh, a spaceship and he's reeling from that. So he's very personally invested in these investigations. And on the other side is Dana Scully, who is very much scientific and fact-based in her investigations. She doesn't let her personal stuff get in the way. Usually she's kind of like, she's the one who grounds him a little bit. And then he like opens up her mind. So they have a very good quality about their, their characters that matches the other. So we are introduced, well, we're introduced to them in the pilot and I don't remember what they did in the pilot. <laughs> it was basically just them getting together and working on a thing. A lot of these episodes will be like what we call the freak of the week. So it's just not really connected to the overall arching theme of the show. And well, sometimes you think that it's a freak of the week and then they bring it back and they're like, ha, look at this. And I'm like, okay, fine. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you my favorite episodes by the end of the this uh, review, by the way. Um, so anyway, let's get started. So if we look at the, let me remind myself what happened in the first fucking episode, cause it's been so effing long. Uh, oh wait, we gotta start with the, one of the best parts of this show is the music. So. We have the first episode and it comes in with this banger of an opening theme song. 
I don't know if it's in the first episode though. I think it might just be in the second episode. But anyway, here it is. It might be in the first episode. I think it might be. Oh shit, it's very loud. Love it. good at whistling but you get the point um so we have that in every episode which is really fun to start everything uh if i go to the x-files well, that's what this is uh okay so it's the film okay i don't know why they call it the x-files film when it's the x-files fight the future that was very confusing for me when i was looking for the episodes i was like oh shit i ended up on the film that's not what i wanted i wanted the uh episodes okay if i go to production I should be able to find the episodes. Yes. All right. This is give me like an idea of if I fuck up and I forget something that happened, this will tell me what to do. This will tell me what happened. Okay. Episodes. All right. Episode one is the pilot. Like I said, okay. It's directed by Robert Mandel, written by Chris Carter. Chris Carter writes a lot of this stuff in the beginning, but he, he hands it off to some other people sometimes. Um, so September 10th, 1993 was the first episode. It did really well with the, the ratings too. Um, I was exposed to the X-Files for the first time because my brother had recorded it on a tape like you had to do back in the day. And I wanted to record uh, something myself from the television and that's how you got things. You would have to record them back in the day. If you didn't want to buy them, that was the poor way to do it, to get content. Um, so I recorded over it. I don't know if he knows that, but anyway, he knows it now. <laughs> if he watches this, he probably won't. Anyway, number one, uh, Agent Dana Scully is assigned to work with Agent Fox Mulder on the X-Files in an attempt to debunk his work on the paranormal. So she was put in there to keep him in line. And she does that to an extent, but she gets kind of involved over the time that she spends with him on these cases. Their first case has them investigating apparent alien abductions. We're just starting out with aliens. That's how I figured out the main theme of the show. And I think it's pretty correct because they bring it up in the Fight the Future film as well, which is in 1998, I think. Um, but it's aliens, 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 aliens. All I got over and over again throughout watching the X-Files, the original time was aliens. That's what you come away thinking about aliens, 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 but there's more to it than aliens. So we're going to discuss that. Um, okay. So then it says a near comatose man, Billy Miles is taking his classmates, including Teresa Newman into the woods where they are killed in a flash of bright, bright light. I don't like the way they're explaining these things, but you know, it's more info that I put than I put. Cause I just didn't really get much out of that episode other than their meeting. Um, and then being different. So then the, it gets interesting in the second episode because then that's Deep Throat, which kind of like cements how the show is gonna go a little bit more. And we get a little more backstory and stuff. Uh, so Mulder and Scully tra travel to Idaho to investigate the disappearance of a military test pilot. They observe unusual aircraft activity, prompting Mulder to proclaim the existence of a con government conspiracy which he's not wrong about. <laughs> Mulder sneaks into the military base. This was a crazy episode, now I'm remembering. Uh, and is spotlighted by one of the craft, but is captured by soldiers 
and has his memory erased before he is released. Sound familiar? Sounds a little men in blacky, but they did on the next files first in 1993, September 17th. And this also introduces the character of Deep Throat, who is giving him information and also trying to keep him from getting too close to the truth. Um, I wrote for this episode extraterrestrials or experimental military tech because that's what they mention in it. And I have like a clip that I can like play. Oh, I can just do things this way. That's smart. Okay. All right. This is a part of it I got. Don't copyright me. Seth Green. And they just hang there and hover without making a sound. And you just think, you know, who turned down the volume, right? <laughs> what do you think they are? Everybody thinks that they're like UFOs. But I think it's some kind of Star Wars cyber tech newfangled hardware, right? I would probably roll out for Desert Storm 2 or something like that. Cruise right over Saddam's house, yeah. You'd be like, what? <laughs> So that's just like an example of like a scene in the episode that stood out to me that I wanted to record <laughs> and let you guys know about. Um, it says it was experimental UFO derived tech. So both UFOs have been here a long, long time, according to Deep Throat, um, who doesn't have a name at this point. Another interesting episode is number three. And it's Squeeze. Okay, first, uh, that was written by Chris Carter, that episode, and directed by Daniel Sackheim. So then we go to number three, Squeeze, by Harry Longstreet, the director, and written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. So James Wong went on after being uh, associated with the X-Files as a writer. He went on to, to direct one of the Final Destination films. Hold on a moment. Let me look at his page. I think it was number three, but I want to make sure. Pretty sure that's true. He did Wise Guy as well. Okay, yeah, he did the, the first one. Right, okay. He did the fir very first Final Destination and Final Destination 3. And then he was done. <laughs> he was like, bye. I'm done. Okay. So, yeah. So that is an episode in which the team investigates a series of murders where there appears to be no tangible method to the murderer's entrance and escape. What's happening? And it ends up being Eugene Victor Toombs, a seemingly normal janitor who is suspected by Mulder to be a mutant who kills his victims and extracts their livers in order to prolong his existence, which he is right about. And I said for that one, freak, freak of the week, no real connection to ongoing arc. And then later on, I, I'll tell you what happens there. Uh, then we have F4 Conduit, written by Alex Ganza. You'll see him a lot. Uh, and Howard Gordon, directed by Daniel Sackheim. 
and as Section Chief Scott Blevins expresses his concern with the direction of the X-Files department, Mulder becomes obsessed with solving a case that closely parallels an encounter he experienced as a child, which dealt with alien abduction and an exploration of Mulder's determination to find his sister, Samantha Mulder. So we have a lot more information about Mulder in this episode and backstory. And I put, back to UFO and Mulder's sister's abduction. Child goes missing after a UFO landing. Then we have a weird one with episode five, The Jersey Devil. I'm not aware of this whole tale, um, urban legend or whatever of The Jersey Devil. So I went in totally blind. Uh, Chris Carter wrote that one. Joe Napitalano directed it. What I wrote there is Bigfoot, how advanced are we as a species? Cause that's what the main, th like there was a, a, a topic of conversation between Mulder and someone else regarding like who's like more civilized and everything. It was an interesting subject to, to bring up. Um, but this one was mainly like, this woman grew up in the forest or whatever and became really manic and kind of a murderer, murderous. So she started killing people, so sad stuff. But um, you kind of feel bad for her um, at the end. Then Shadows is number six, which is written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, again. Um, directed by Michael Kaelman. When an unseen force commits several murders where a young woman is present, Mulder suspects that it is the spirit of the woman's former boss who is believed to have committed suicide, but was actually murdered, and he is protecting her from his business partner. Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty much about psychokinesis or telekinesis. They mentioned terrorism. Um, the dead have signs of life after they're dead. That was interesting enough to write about. This next one was interesting in terms of where we are now with technologies, so it's a little scary. Uh, F7's Ghost in the Machine by Alex Ganza and Howard Gordon, directed by Gerald Friedman. A computer with highly advanced artificial intelligence begins to kill in order to preserve its assistance when it, sound familiar? When it is deemed too insufficient to continue controlling the workings of an office building. And I wrote there, uh, new technology, AI, central operating system, controls building and malfunction, malfunctions, malfunctions. DOD wants to learn, use the learning machine. The machine's supposed to be dead, but lives in the end. So they bring it back. And I noticed some similarities, by the way, because I watched Buffy a long time ago as well. And there's a very similar kind of vibe in the end of the Buffy episodes and the end of the X-Files episodes, which I just wanted to point out <laughs> that they have a similar vibe. We're coming to one of my favorite episodes and one of my least favorite ones in terms of like, did it really move the plot? Did it really do anything? For the series and that is the next one uh episode eight ice there's a biological weapon a major plague gonna descend on people if we don't get a hold of things infection dividing groups of people that sort of thing we've seen a million times david nutter directed this glenn morgan and james wong wrote it this is from november 5th 1993 when an Arctic research team mysteriously kill each other and themselves only days after drilling 
deeper into the ice than ever before, Mulder and Scully accompany a team of doctors and scientists to investigate. They discover an organism which infects living creatures and amplifies the host's feeling of anger and paranoia, and the new team starts to deteriorate as they wonder who among them are killers. Kind of like Among Us, <laughs> but like with ice and stuff. Okay. This is probably, the next episode is probably one of the best written, realistically written episodes and realistically shot and feels the most realistic. But on the other hand, it also feels like it's a big commercial for NASA. So make of it what you will. And I don't think that's what his purpose was for this episode. So I'm sorry, Chris Carter, that I feel that way, but I just, I felt that way. Um, episode 9, Space. So Space is a mysterious force is sabotaging a space launch program which leads directly back to the commander of the team who once claimed to have seen an alien in space while witnessing Mars from Earth orbit. The alien returns to Earth with him to torment him and, wrecks, and wreck his new space program. William Graham directed that one and I wrote here, NASA bad, government cover-up, Terrorists targeting NASA, rockets blow up on purpose. <laughs> That's all I wrote, but like there was more to it than that. The, the effects weren't so great on the space creature and him inhabiting the host, the human host, but it is 1993, so I gave it a pass. And they had probably a much lower budget for the first season, which is kind of evident in the way that things are presented on screen and the scope there's not much scope to the series at this point in terms of the production um sets and, and that sort of thing so f10 is fallen angel that's a really interesting one because it's about a train derailment and it's a cover story for a ufo event so this says um larry shaw directed that howard gordon again and alex ganza wrote it Mulder puts the future of the X-Files in jeopardy again. When he heads to a UFO crash site, he gets in trouble, a lot of trouble in this episode, being rapidly covered up by the military. He is arrested and while in jail, he meets Max Fennig, a, US, a UFO nut whose NICAP group has followed Mulder's work on the X-Files. When Mulder is released, Scully urges him to return to Washington and face his superiors and try to save his job, but he finds out that Finnick is more than meets the eye and ignores Scully to try to save him instead. And yeah, there's a part of that that was interesting because looking back, you know, you don't have streaming services in 1993, so there's a part of it where I read the, um, there's a part where they have like a, a, a shot of the newspaper and Dana's reading it or Scully's reading it and it just says the most ridiculous shit <laughs> it's kind of funny to to pause it and read it because nobody was supposed to pause and I just feel like an asshole bringing it up but that 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 was that was giggling I was giggling a little bit at that uh then we have episode 11 Eve really good episode actually ex inspired the band Eve 6 to name themselves Eve 6 so there's that. Fred Gerber directed, Kenneth Biller, and Chris Brancato wrote it. 
when two fathers on opposite sides of the country are inexplicably murdered at exactly the same time in exactly the same way, Mulder and Scully had their had find that their eight-year-old daughters are perfect twins and were created in order to continue the Litchfield experiment, a eugenics project of the 1950s which produced cloned boys named Adam and girls named Eve who have heightened strength and intelligence but are prone to psychotic behaviors like super soldiers and stuff, right? So I say UFOs again. The eugenics and in vitro fertilization experimentation, Litchfield experiment, cloning. There's a lot of cloning in that episode. It's very interesting. Um, then the next episode is called Fire, episode 12. Larry Shaw directed it. Chris Carter comes back to write. December 17, 1993. Mulder investigates the deaths of British dignitaries at the behest of an old girlfriend from Oxford. Now we got a little bit of a relationshipy kind of thing going on. Cecil Lively, I did not spell that right, say that right, is a pyrokinetic. He has the ability to start fires with his mind and he wants Sir Malcolm Marston's wife. What I wrote about that is Firestarter. Mulder's ex from England shows up to annoy Scully. Scully is jelly. She is. X is suspicious. Scully really likes Mulder. I really felt at the end of that episode, and anyone would, that she really does like Mulder, and she's like trying to not get too involved, but she can't help it. She just has certain feelings, and whether they're like friendshipy or relation, like she wants a relationship at some point, it's not clear with that in that episode. But oh my gosh, I wish I could do the next episode because the next episode, by the way, is one of my favorites, probably my favorite one of this season, and I'll talk to you about it in the second half of season one of The X-Files. I started watching it, as I said in the previous video, re-watching it, basically, um, from the very beginning. And now I'm going to tell you what I think of it in my super awkward review. Fun. Okay, so we're at my favorite, is it my favorite episode? Let me check. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt, this is my favorite episode of season one. Even though there were cute moments between Mulder and Scully, I remember I really liked them <laughs> uh, throughout the season. This one was just the best in terms of, like, I would put this as a contender for writing and directing in like an award show and stuff. So <clears throat> cue the clip. This was a trap for Mulder because he helped put you away. Well, I came here to tell you that if he dies because of what you've done, four days from now, nobody will stop me from being the one that'll throw the switch and gas you out of this life for good, you son of a bitch! Dana, you're the one that believed me. No! No, I do not believe you! Don't believe me. Maybe you believe yourself. There was that one time when I was 14 and my parents had gone to bed and I snuck downstairs all alone. Got one of my mom's cigarettes and went out onto the 
porch in the dark. I was so scared. My heart was beating. I mean, they would have killed me if they knew. But I was so excited. Not because of the cigarette. I mean, it was gross, but because I wasn't supposed to. It could be a moment for many kids. I know what you want, and I know who you want to talk to. Why don't you just go ahead and ask me? I believe you. If you let me talk to him. So this is the 13th episode, Beyond the Sea, which is funny because I watched it like after I watched the Black Mirror episode from the season that was called Beyond the Sea. I watched it after that and I was like, that's so weird. Like literally the next day I watched Beyond the Sea from X-Files and I was like, that's crazy. But anyway, this one was first. So this one was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, again. And it was directed by David Nutter, who has come into this half of the season and will donate his directing services throughout. Um, donate. <laughs> he's probably getting paid, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, he's going to donate his time as director throughout the rest of the season. And this is from January 7th, 1994. I'm not going to do that for every episode or we'll be here a million years. So anyway, um, this one's about... <laughs> this one, I'll say what my notes are, but first let me tell you what it, the backstory is from the Wikipedia. A death row inmate named Luther Lee Boggs claims that he is a psychic and can lead Mulder to a serial killer in exchange for a lesser sentence of life in prison. The agent's roles are reversed in this episode with Mulder doubting, doubting Boggs' claim and Scully believing him after she is told that she can communicate through him with her recently deceased father so there's that so there's a lot of like emotional stakes in this episode and characterization and character growth and development and that's part of why i enjoyed this episode so much so here are my notes from that episode dana's dad dies at the beginning boulder boulder Mulder calls her Dana for the first time twice. He caresses her face. Boggs fucks with Dana's mind. Boggs is a Lecter kind of character. They're trying to use him to get other, other killers. He has the ability to communicate through dead people. Victims can get into his body and fuck. Victims get into his body and fuck up his brain as a result of his murders. So that was just just the acting is amazing in this episode. Brad Dorif plays Boggs, I forgot to mention, and he does such an excellent job that I was like, I know this guy from somewhere, but I couldn't place it throughout the whole episode. And then I like looked at a clip online and somebody said it was Brad Dorif and I'm like, I'm an idiot. That's Chucky. <laughs> I really should have known. So 
shout out to Brad Dorf, who took, uh, who, who was paid a lot of money for this episode, according to uh, sources with the show, and um, money well spent is all I can say. Because, you know, you don't have to have a big set with, uh, like, crazy, great CGI or effects, special effects and stuff to make a good series. The acting and the characters is what brings people back. And that's what I noticed throughout the season is that as long as they keep up with the writing of the characters and make you care about them and put them in danger and then you're like, no, they're gonna die, but then they don't. You're like, okay, good. You know, you're doing something right. Because if we didn't care about the characters, we wouldn't be here for 13 episodes at this point, I'm sure. Um, so, a lot of good stuff in this season. Not the best season, but a good start. Solid start. Uh, and then I saw some similarities with Fringe. Like, Fringe really copied this formula. Now that I'm thinking about it again. Because I kept noting that in my head throughout. The, the relationship between Peter and Olivia was very similar, in my opinion, to the relationship between Mulder and Scully. It was just kind of like the same kind of formula that they used. And then they had Freaks of the Weeks and stuff too, so it was interesting. And then overall arching theme, overarching themes that keep coming into play, you know, so like the altverse and everything. So I just thought that was interesting to point out. Okay, the next episode would be, I at first I thought it might be a little controversial today, like people might not take it well but then I was like I don't know but then at the very beginning I heard something crazy and I was just like yeah we're in 1994 <laughs> because a dude kind of like laughed off who's like working for the FBI laughed off um, a, um, a sexual assault basically which was just like hmm don't know if we want to spread that message uh, show, but we are. <laughs> anyway, this is from the Barber. Uh, Larry and Paul Barber wrote this episode with Rob Bowman directing. Rob Bowman comes up a lot. Uh, he also did the, he directed the Fight the Future film from 1998, The X-Files Fight the Future. So we'll see him again. Wait, did he? Oh shit, I might be wrong. He might have directed I Want to Believe. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold that thought. Am I a dumbass? Let's see. Well, of course I'm a dumbass. That goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says the X-Files. See, it really bothers me that Fight the Future isn't in there anymore. Did they just take it out? Or am I... Okay, it is also known as Fight the Future. Because I watched that in the theater. I know. With my father. Rest in peace. Um, anyway. Yeah, Rob Bowman directed that. Fight the Future. Okay, so this one's about... Let's go to it. 14 Gender Bender. A series of identical sexual murders where the killer appears to be both male and female draw Mulder and Scully to an Amish-type community of people who may be of alien origin, leading to the discovery of a man who can, who can change sex. 
And he's an alien, by the way. Okay, so anyway, it says here in my notes, Killer uses pheromones to seduce victims, fucks them, and kills them, changing gender in the process. He comes from a weird Amish community. There's also a ritual with a guy being buried alive in the town. And then I wrote this as a good quote. Maybe it's the sex that kills them. They're aliens. <laughs> that, I think that was a Mulder quote, but I, I don't remember exactly. Then we have Lazarus, number 15. And that one introduces a dude who I guess has been here the whole time, but we never saw him. Um, FBI agent Jack Willis, who is a mentor to Dana Scully. And this is written by Alex Ganza and Howard Gordon and directed by David Nutter again. And it says, when FBI agent Jack Willis and bank robber Warren Dupre are both shot at the same time during a robbery attempt, Dupre dies and Willis is resuscitated. When Willis rushes out of the hospital and begins acting strangely, Mulder concludes that Dupre's consciousness has been transferred to Willis's body. And I just wrote, bank robbery, Jack Willis, a partner of Scully's, gets possessed by a murderer. And I, th I think he, he's like, I think he dies at the end. Did he die? I don't remember if he died now. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I don't care about the character. I never saw him before. I didn't have any connection to him. All right, let's just move on because I do not remember that guy. And I just saw this episode a few days ago. So Young at Heart is number 16, by, directed by Michael Lang, uh, written by Scott Coffer and Chris Carter. And it's about a, a psychotic criminal from one of Mulder's past cases, John Barnett is back to get revenge on Mulder for incarcerating him. Before Barnett's release, a renegade doctor had found a way to reverse the aging process, using Barnett as his test subject. Mulder and Scully rush to catch the now unrecognizable youthful Barnett before he carries out his threat to kill all of Mulder's loved ones. Which I guess would just be Scully at this point, because I don't know anyone else he associates with, but okay. So I wrote for that one, dude was dead and screaming in the beginning, reversing aging, genetic engineering. This is the first time we hear about genetic engineering. Gene therapy is mentioned. Uh, new limbs can be grown on human body, according to outcast and medical community doctor. AMA censured him. High up the ladder, the secret goes. So then we have like a look at like the overarching theme you know, the truth is out there, that sort of thing. Um, then EVE is the next episode. You have to remind me what the hell that stands for, because I know the long government said it, but I don't remember what it was. Extraterrestrial Biological Entity. Okay, I totally forgot that. So, thank you, Wikipedia's. Uh, this is uh, the 17th episode, EVE. William Graham directed it. Glenn Morgan and James Wong wrote it and this is the this is a special episode to me because as I say in my um, my notes it's the introduction of the Lone Gunman <laughs> yay <gasps> we haven't seen them yet this is the first time I've seen them in this uh, series that's a big deal 
Okay, so it says um, on here, Mulder and Scully receive information from, from Deep Throat. Remember, he was introduced in episode two about a UFO that was shot down over Iraq and has been secretly transported to the U.S. However, Deep Throat then intentionally misleads the agents to prevent them from discovering the truth. Because he's not a great character. Like, he has moments, but he's also deceptive as well. So I wrote down, she's hot, because the lone men say that Scully's hot, and I thought it was funny. And then the magnetic strip in Cash, like they were talking about that, the lone gunman, and showing how how that works to attract people. And then um, Scully countered anti-counterfeiting, it's an anti-counterfeiting measure. And they're like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I was like, UFOs again. <laughs> Cause yeah, that's gonna happen every once in a while. Uh, then we have Miracle Man number 18. Michael Lang is back for the directing job. Chris Carter and Howard Gordon wrote it. Mulder and Scully traveled to Tennessee to investigate the Miracle Ministry and its star attraction, a young man with the ability to heal people with his touch when a person dies shortly after being healed. Okay, so that's Miracle Man I wrote down. And these have spoilers, because I will spoil some shit. If you haven't seen The X-Files Season 1, what have you done with your life? But like, also, like it's been enough time that you should know this or not know this and not care. So, if you wa watch this and you're upset that I'm spoiling anything, I, I do not care. It's been year. It's been 20-something. How many years? 94? 94, 2004, 2024. Um, not my strong suit math. Uh, 24 is 2004, 34. 34 years. 30 years. It's been almost 30 years. So, get over it. Um, so, this one I wrote down. Religious healing laying hands on people to heal, heal and kill. Guy Samuel healed at beginning of episode as the murderer. There's a spoiler. He didn't want to live as a burn victim, which I was wondering about during that scene. Like, is that his choice? Did he have any say? So there's some interesting uh, messages in that one, interesting conclusions to come to, like about existence about playing God, which is a movie that starred David Duchovny, by the way, which is actually a pretty good movie from the 90s. Uh, I thought it was good at the time. I was a child. What do I know? Shit. Probably sucks. I probably look at it now and I'd be like, what the fuck was I thinking? But I don't know. I was pretty good at, at deciphering good from bad movies, though, at the time. So I don't know. I probably weren't, wasn't wrong. Then the next one, I really just can't, couldn't really put a whole lot to because again it's just one of those episodes where it's not really moving the plot forward although that one kind of didn't either and there wasn't really anything that stood out to me with Mulder and Scully or anything but anyway the next episode is Shapes uh, David Nutter directed it Marilyn Osborne wrote it that's the first female I've seen so far that's pretty interesting Okay. She's from Touched by an Angel. She's written that, too. Mulder and Scully head to an, an Indian reservation in no northwestern Montana to investigate a manslaughter case which Mulder believes may relate to the very first X-File ever created at the FBI and its main subject, lycanthropy, which is lichens or like 
werewolves or whatever. It's like werewolves, but it's like shape-shifting. But they look like wolves. Um, so I just wrote Native American shapeshifters. <laughs> That's what we're doing. I mean, it's not really that big a deal. Uh, then we got number 20, Darkness Falls with Joe Napatolano coming back to direct. Chris Carter wrote it. Uh, this is in spring of 94. Uh, Mulder and Scully travel to a remote area of Washington State National Forest after an entire group of loggers goes missing. They soon discover that an unseen force that was lay lying dormant has been awakened. So I wrote for this one. Uh, oh, shit. No, 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 no. No, I'm fine. Okay. What did I write? Okay, loggers vanished eco-terrorists. That's all I got, because they kept calling them eco-terrorists. I don't think they would call them that today, but they did. Um, episode 21 is Tombs. This is the one that I was mentioning before, like, kind of prefacing, like, oh, it's just a monster or a freak of the week, you know, episode number three, or, yeah, squeeze. But then it turns out, nope, he's back. <laughs> So this is about Tombs. Um, we talked about him before. Glenn Mar Morgan and Glenn James Wong wrote it. David Nutter directed it. Tombs is released from the psychiatric sanitarium in which he was incarcerated by assaulting Scully. He assaulted Scully, by the way, if I didn't mention that. That happened in the third episode. And he needs to kill once. I was, I was reminded of that in this episode. I forgot that happened in the third episode. I didn't really focus on it. Which is kind of a big deal, but at the time, I was not paying attention. Uh, he needs to kill once more to get the final liver, which will allow him to hibernate to an for another f 30 years. Mulder and Scully race against time to find evidence of his involvement in the past string of murders before Toombs disappears again. Assistant Director Walter Skinner appears for the first time in that episode. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh, Skinner's here. Finally. Been waiting forever. So I wrote up about that when Eugene Toombs can squeeze in tight space, tight places, and he has to take out people's livers in order to survive. He attacks Scully in F3, kills Dr. Monte as expected. There's a cute moment when Scully calls Mulder by his first name, and they seem fl to flirt a little. I love them so much. <laughs> so yeah, I'm focused on the right things, for sure. But no, I really am focused on the overall themes and the plots and everything and the topics that they bring up but at the end of the season it gets more into the characters and not so much aliens and all that well until the end <laughs> but we're not there yet born again number 22 gerald friedman directed howard gordon and alex ganza came back and they are both writing that one after a detective and his former partner die in unexplained circumstances, the accidents are linked to a little girl who witnessed both deaths, deaths and Mulder believes that she may be a reincarnation of a policeman murdered by his colleagues. So I wrote about that when child saw a ghost kill a man, guy inhabits a young girl, Michelle's body, to commit crimes. Pretty much it's just one of those episodes where it's not really mush, mushing, pushing the plot forward. It's just kind of there. Then we have like a character study in the next episode with Roland by D David Nutter and written by Chris Robenthal. And it says, Agents Mulder and Scully investigate a series of murders in Mahan Propulsion Laboratory as a team of scientists died one by one 
and the only suspect is a mentally handicapped cleaner named Roland. And I wrote about that one a lot, so here's what I wrote. Roland is a mentally challenged murderer. He is psychically connected to a twin who, he is, who is killing people. He had damaged chromosomes in the womb with his brother. Arthur Grable is his brother. He died before. He takes over Roland to complete his work, which was credited to another scientist. He kills him, by the way. Uh, jet propulsion theory. He, that's what he was working on. He finished his brother's research. The next episode was a doozy. I mean, it, it probably would be number two for me for the season, this next one, because there's, well, maybe not. I don't know. I'll have to do a top five episodes after this. Okay, so this is the Erlenmeyer Flask. This is written by Chris Carter himself, and it's the finale. R.W. Goodwin directed it. It's the 24th episode. A seemingly unrelated car chase leads Mulder and Scully to a scientific lab encompassing a secret which would provide proof of a government conspiracy. Ooh, here's what I wrote on this one. Finale. Deep Throat is back. Tips Mulder off to a case. A, get, a guy was shot and his body disappears. Key Mulder Scully moment. And it's not romantic this time. <laughs> you think he does it because he gets off on it? Says Mulder. Ask Mulder. She responds, no, I think it's because you do, or something to that effect. Um, Human Genome Project is mentioned. That's what this doctor is working on, Baruby, who is killed to make it look like a suicide and was cloning viruses and doing gene therapy. You might hear that a lot on this show. Um, but this was the first time they really gotten into the conversation on gene therapy. Extraterrestrials again. Mulder is under surveillance. He's getting too close to the truth. Alien baby! Cute alien baby picture. There it is. Trust no one. That's Deep Throat's last words. And I totally forgot that he was the first person to utter that in the show. But that became a big meme, if you recall. The X-Files is shut down. And then Mulder says, I can't give up, not as long as the truth is out there. And that was the last thing I wrote about the season. Because it really stood out to me. So if I'm looking at this fucking list here, if I wanted to say, if I say what my top five is, let me say what my top five is. So obviously I should put pilot number one because that introduces the whole show. So pilot's number one. Then number two, I would say, is Beyond the Sea, because it wouldn't exist without the pilot. That's just math. Um, then I would say, although we could do this all day and that I could be in a conundrum because I could say something before that and you'd be like, oh, but, well, or after that, and you'd be like, that wouldn't have existed without that. Well, we're not gonna get into the whole thing. Ghost of the Machine. Uh, let's see here. Fallen Angel really does stand out to me. I'm gonna say... We have three. Fallen Angel, sure. Fallen Angel, four. And my fifth episode of the season, favorite episode of the season, is... Space. Fuck it. Space! You're in there. Alright, that's my top five. Thank you so much for watching and listening. 
on both platforms. Stay tuned for season two. Super awkward, fun reviews. Bye-bye.